Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. I am your host, Mindy McCulley, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Specialist for Instructional Support at the University of Kentucky. My guest today is Dr. Nicole Huff, Assistant Extension Professor for Family Finance and Resource Management. Our topic today is Transferring Cherished Possessions, Estate Planning Tips for Non-Titled Property. Boy, that's a mouthful, Nicole. <laughs> it is a mouthful. It matches the task because it's a tough task, but we're going to talk about it. It is a it. tough task. Yes. We're so glad that you're here, though, to talk to us about this tough task because that is one of those challenges that, that we have to face in life, and I'm glad that I have a good friend to talk to me about how to do this. As we mentioned, estate planning can be a complicated process, especially when considering how to transfer personal property to people who will want and care for it after your death. The task of sorting through a lifetime of belongings can be overwhelming. So what advice can you offer someone wanting to begin transferring their cherished possessions? Yeah, um, as we mentioned, this can be a very a hard process, both mm-hmm. emotionally and then the you know, if we've amassed this lifetime of belongings, and when we begin to go through that, it can be um, an overwhelming process in so many ways. And, you know, so it is really natural. We want to put it off. And so so what I hope is that this conversation can, can do just that, begin the conversation so that it can be less overwhelming. And so, um, you know, that you can just simplify and streamline. So one of the first things, if you want to begin thinking about your non-titled property, and let's kind of just break that down first. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we may have a will in place for our titled property. So those things like our home and our property, um, our insurance policies, our beneficiaries, those are all um, titled property that we have, you know, we can transfer the ownership of those two. But that is only a small part of our estate. And so we also want to create a plan for our non-title property for those cherished possessions, right? And so, you know, um, the legal considerations is is one of those, the first way. So if you're wanting to begin, begin thinking about the legal considerations. Because creating a plan for all of your, your possessions is important from a legal standpoint. And so, you know, if you've begun giving some thought to this, you may have started labeling items around your house. You might have put sticky notes on it or told a grandchild, this can be yours uh, (laughs) one day. And so, you know, those methods may help you begin to think through this process, but they're not legally binding. And so, you know, if if you haven't started estate planning whether for your titled or non-titled property, the first thing I can tell you to do is to talk with a trusted attorney or an estate planner and begin to get your wishes documented so so that can understand that, that complicated process so that you can understand what constitutes a legal will in Kentucky, how to manage your estate taxes. And so, and, and you could have estate taxes on your non-titled property too. It all contributes to the value of your estate. 
Um, and then you also want to understand what happens if you die without a will in Kentucky. What if there aren't a plan in place for your possessions? And and there are some publications that we already have that we'll link in the show notes that you can begin to read about those things so that when you meet with an attorney that you um, you go in informed. And so we'll link those documents in the show notes. And that's always a great plan because, as we know, attorneys charge by the hour, right? <laughs> so if you're, if you're ahead of the game, it will save you a little bit of money. So what if someone is thinking to themselves, well, I don't have a large estate. I really don't need to worry about planning for my estate. I don't need to worry about what's going to happen to my belongings. What do you say to them? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll often start the conversation. If you've got, you know, a shirt on your back, chances are good you've got an estate. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so our estate can really range. We don't need some big, um, you know, big sprawling land and, and, and home and property to have an estate. You know, um, everyone has an estate because everyone has things that they own. And so, you know, the next step really is to really understand what, you know, constitutes your estate. And so after your death, everything that belonged to you must be distributed. Now, that is those cherished possessions. That's that titled property. But it's also your closets full of clutter. It is is, um, everything collecting dust in your attic and the things in your garage. garage. Yes, yes. The things in your garage that you haven't touched for 30 years. You know, it is the food in your pantry. It's the, the clothes in your closet. And so really taking a look at everything that you own. Because while the process of selling your estate can be overwhelming to you, it, it is also overwhelming to those we leave behind. Mm-hmm. And so your executor or the loved ones who have to settle your estate, they have to make really hard decisions about what happens to everything, what was special, what wasn't special. Mm-hmm. And this is why the conversation of planning for non-titled property is also very important because it offers some direction for our loved ones to know what to do. It can alleviate some of the burden. It allows you to begin decluttering, begin to make a plan for your belongings. And I think that's very important. Uh, My grandparents have been gone about 12 years, and my dad and my aunt inherited everything. And it's just been in the last five or six years that my dad started saying, what would you like to have from the house? And the few things, very few things that I've asked for aren't there anymore. And so if I had spoken up sooner or if he had asked sooner, then maybe I could have gotten those things that were special to me. Who knows what happened to them? Who knows where they are? Right. Maybe maybe they've been gone a long time and I just didn't realize it. You know, they were just things from my childhood that I remembered that I, that I thought were special. You know, who knows? Right. Well, well, you know, we often don't want to talk about it, right? Because right. older generations, it's a hard time because you're facing your mortality. Mm-hmm. But then younger generations, you don't want to look like, right, the prodigal yeah. son asking for your inheritance exactly. before. And so it can become um, a very awkward space for families to have conversations. And mm-hmm. so, you know, your family, I think, is is one of many who would say that. We just didn't start the conversation soon enough. Right. And so we didn't have this conversation. So I hope if at the very least you leave here, you know, ready yeah. to have a conversation with your loved ones. And we're not talking about major things. We're talking about right. school. <laughs> well, we often are because it's those things that hold sentimental value, right? Yes. It is that lucky <laughs> that lucky fishing hat or it's those little things. It is those little things, um, you know, maybe that little table or that homemade 
quilt, that, yeah. you know, that, you know, the hand-knitted a scarf, but it's those little things that we attach childhood memories to. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it is not the big title property that can cause conflict after, um, you know, when an estate settled, but it's those cherished things. It's those little things. And, and so if you are the owner of those cherished things, and so if you yeah. can help to clarify and simplify that process, then it can relieve some of that conflict or it can help families who are already, you're missing your loved one, right? And then you, the last thing your family needs to get in a fight over, right. who, who gets that, um, that, that unique keepsake? Well, and we probably think that smaller families will have fewer people to distribute things to, so it won't be as big of a deal. But... You still have to distribute things. You still have to distribute. So if you have a sole beneficiary, and so, yeah, we we think that having large families can complicate the process, and it absolutely can. Yes. (laughs) But it is still complicated, even if there is a sole beneficiary, because like we said, it is the entire estate to distribute. And, And sometimes... You know, smaller families and smaller teams, you know, you'll have your executor, but you'll also likely have others that that have a say so, right? right? And that or and some people have big say so. Right. And and so that the more planning we can do in advance, that the more we can help just kind of diffuse some of that stress for and everyone. I imagine I imagine that we all have larger estates than we realize when you consider everything that you've accumulated over the years. So it can probably feel overwhelming just to start the process. So what tips do you have for making the task of transferring non-titled property? Yeah, it goes back to planning. I know that with all of my topics, I say this a lot, but I am a planner, (laughs) right? And so um, start by creating an asset distribution plan. And so this helps you decide who gets what. And it's exactly what it says. It helps you. It's a plan for distributing your assets. So what belongs to you? Who is going to get it? And so your plan, it should include four columns. So possession, recipient, reason and distribution method. And this can be fancy. You can type it out. It can also be handwritten. This is just for you to begin inventorying your home. And I'm guessing the sooner you start this process, the better. It doesn't have, you don't have to wait until you're 70 years old to do it. I can start now in my 50s, right? You, you absolutely can. You can start at any and age. you can in your 40s, right? You can, right? Because because we all have an estate, and we're not promised long life. I think mm-hmm. that is the assumption that we we operate on. And if we get it, then we are so blessed. Yes. Um, but anytime you have an estate to manage, the more timely you can get your, your affairs in order, the better for everyone. And so your asset distribution plan can start small and it can start very informal. So by having, you know, get you yourself a legal pad or a notepad and just put four columns on it. And so um, again, possession, recipient, reason, and distribution method. Start in one area of your home and then start, okay, what's in that home? So your possession, you may, maybe you're starting in your kitchen. And so your possession may be your sets of dishes. Mm-hmm. And so that's your possession and the recipient. So if you are, you want it to go to a certain family member, uh, a son or a daughter, a granddaughter, um, put that person, if you want it to be divided, put how it should be divided. Mm-hmm. And, you know, say it's your everyday plates and nobody wants them, right? <laughs> then put, these aren't special. Give them, donate them to somebody who can use them if nobody wants them. So give a reason why something is or isn't special to you. And if um, if something should go to a certain recipient, maybe explain why, because that can help 
lower that conflict. It can absolve some of that ambiguity, right? Like Mm -hmm. if we don't know why, then we're going to assign reason. And so if you can go ahead and give that reason, it can help. And then so that distribution method again. So that might be let this person have it. And if they don't want it, sell it or donate it. But the more specific you can think through. And then if you stumble across something that you're like, why am I still holding on to this, right? (laughs) If it's trash that can be decluttered, throw it away. If you want to have a yard sale, go ahead and get rid of some things to help um, to help reduce your estate size. And so if you can go ahead and declutter, it will help everybody. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that somebody needs to use now, give it to them now. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, we will leave another publication that we have is Understanding Estate Taxes. Mm-hmm. Because it can get complicated. Right. And so if you give away parts of your estate that are valuable or that hold value um, and you give them away within so many years of your death or if you give them away in anticipation of your death, there may be there may be some tax, tax consequences. Yes. Sure. And so mm-hmm. you just want to understand that. But no, absolutely. Go ahead and give things to somebody that can use them or that maybe there's a story you want to pass along right. or there's a special meaning that it holds that you want to explain to to your loved one why and so they can hear those stories from you from you now and so yeah those are great things well, and and I'm a big fan of stories so if there is a story if you're not giving it away now put the story mm-hmm. with the item so that they they know what that story yep, absolutely. is absolutely creating a plan to distribute it your assets is important. And sometimes emotions run high when estates are settled. So knowing your wishes can help loved ones or your executor take the guesswork out of determining who gets what after your death. Are there other ways to communicate these wishes? Yeah. And so in addition to an estate plan, I often suggest writing a letter of last instructions. Okay. And again, it's exactly what it says. And <laughs> and, and I, I often preface it, get yourself a box of Kleenexes, right? <laughs> because it can stir up a lot of emotion and that's okay. And, and um, because um, you are writing down those stories. And so... Uh, you know, a letter of last instruction is something that can be um, attached to your will. It's an informal letter that provides instructions to your family or your executor or your attorney about your final wishes when you're settling your estate. And so you can uh, use this letter to let your heirs know where certain important things are located. Um, you may include instructions for funeral arrangements. Um, you also may include those stories. It could include your asset distribution plan. It could also include those, those stories, just things that you want people to know. And so this doesn't have to be done in one sitting. You can have different letters for different people. But if it includes funeral instructions, and if it includes a location of important documents, you want to make sure that your executor has, has a copy of that. So if your important documents are tied up with your estate, then it can become complicated. And so your, your loved ones may have to plan your funeral before they ever read your, you know, your funeral instructions. Mm-hmm. And so a letter of last instruction helps you just better articulate those wishes. It helps take that guesswork, like you said, out of what can be a stressful time. And then if you are overwhelmed with this and, and you see that this task stirs up a lot of emotion, reach out to a loved one, you know, reach out. It could be um, a family member, a trusted friend. Um, It could be a professional, so a counselor, or um, it it could be, you know, a clergy member, but somebody who can help you just navigate this process and who can be a sounding board for you as you, you 
think through some of these. And I'm guessing that this letter of last instruction doesn't necessarily have to be written. It could be a videotape or oh, audio absolutely. tape. Yeah. Uh, so whatever you're comfortable with in leaving your instructions. Yes. Nicole, thanks so much for joining me today. How can our listeners learn more about transferring non-titled property? Yeah, this is just a, a small portion of a larger curriculum that we have with Family and Consumer Sciences Extension. And so if this has piqued your interest, then I'd encourage you to reach out to your county extension office and ask your FCS agent, how can you how can you learn more? Um, you know, when are they offering a workshop on transferring cherished possessions? That's the name of it. But it really unpacks it. It's it's four lessons on things like communicating without conflict and who gets what and understanding distribution methods and more about things like an asset distribution plan and a letter of last instruction. So it is much more than this 15-minute uh, conversation, <laughs> but either way, we hope that we can equip you so that you are less overwhelmed and that it can become more of a conversation and feel less overwhelming. I think these are all great tips, and I really do feel like that this can be a bonding time for families as they move through this process. Thanks for joining me, Nicole. Thanks for having me, Mindy. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Talking Facts. We are available on all major podcast providers. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at FCS.UKY.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.